Welcome to the 23rd episode of the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Thompson. Here with me is Michael Majors, and we played some Magic last weekend. Yeah, you played a lot more than I did, though. Maybe. I did play a lot of rounds. But you would argue that you didn't maybe have to think as hard as me? Uh, That is almost certainly true. I'm sure, like, my average turn per game was about half as yours, and how many one mana or zero mana spells can I cast this turn? And then I did that. Okay. I did go two time once and nearly to time a second time. And that doesn't happen too often these days. You're probably right. You've been stepping your game up. No more time thiefing people. Yeah, you made fun of me about two years ago, and I, I really took that to heart, I guess. <laughs> Subconsciously, <laughs> at least. I'm glad I could help. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't remember the last time I got a draw, actually. Good, good work, buddy. Nice. You know, all, all the criticism I give and even just like the random shit I give people, it comes from a positive place. BDM nailed this in like 2007 or something and he's just like no you're just an optimist you expect better of people and you know this is how you express that it's just like you kind of criticize them to make them challenge themselves I don't know I really don't think that's a common mindset amongst our peers necessarily that you should better them yourself oh yeah I mean that's reasonable but if you show up to tournaments and you know you get a draw and like you know you're gonna talk to me it's like you're gonna try and avoid that situation right so i'm just gonna keep hammering you yeah it's like so, how'd you do how'd you do this round buddy uh one match point yeah and then you're just in the jerry lock for 10 minutes while i just make fun of you and you're just like man i don't want that to happen again you you, you could just stop talking to me or you could just not get draws anymore <laughs> okay those are your options who knows maybe that was a subconscious thought process i went through oh it wouldn't surprise me so I kind of make your life miserable in order to make you better yourself in whatever whatever works. Yeah, moral of the story, I played a lot more turns. Yeah, so you were uh, fusing some cards and brain-in-the-jarring people, and, dude, I don't even know. You weren't catch-releasing. I'm very disappointed, but it's okay. I really like that deck. Basically, if I had played an individual modern tournament last weekend, I probably would have played that deck, but I didn't feel comfortable registering it when I had, like, not let down my teammates all right so start from the beginning because i'm kind of curious did you start with the og like esper brain in a jar deck and then you're like oh i want more things to brain so that's how you started working on catch release or was this an independent thing or like how did how did this deck start all right i was vaguely aware of the interaction and a long time ago somebody made a brain in a jar deck called deck and i guess it was esper i don't know that's that's the most common one i've been seeing okay so I, I was aware that it was in an interaction and it was like some fringe modern moto deck. And obviously once you, you know, have the printing of the expertise or whatever and you have more analogs of ways to enable this interaction, then the, you know, psychopath part of me starts and it's just like, I want to break this two-card combo. So I just figured out, you know, the best way that I could do that. And I found catch and release and I went through all the Dragon's Wings cards, obviously, and all the zero mana cards. I was like, I'm just going to build a deck around this, try to push it as hard as possible because that's usually how, like, my brain process is, like, I want to start on 10 and then kind of just dial it back. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So yeah, I, I tried it. Uh, I think the card is very, very underrated, honestly, because in most situations, it's, you know, you, you take one of your opponent's lands, you sacrifice that to the effect, your opponent loses another land, and then they're usually their only creature in modern. And then sometimes you get hit like bonuses, like Blood Moon or a Planeswalker or Pivy Needle or whatever. 
Uh, it's particularly devastating against Affinity because you can basically just destroy their entire board position by choosing the right permanent. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like, you know, they get to choose, right? It does end up just being like a tragic arrogance, kind of. Exactly. So, like, you know, you, you'll take either their land or one of their artifact creatures, and they have to sacrifice another creature, another artifact, and a land. Yeah, so pretty brutal, assuming yeah. you're not dead already. You were working on all these different things, and this felt at home in a control shell, I guess? Yeah, and, th- and then I eventually did a little bit more research, found the older Esper lists, and then kind of made a, not really like a normal control deck out of it, but like, you know, kind of hybridized the two strategies. I still have like the Peer Through Depths, which I think is probably my best breakthrough. The most effective card in the archetype that nobody was playing. And uh, I think a lot of people were playing like Telling Time and more of like these like reminiscent of Sphinx's Revelation Drago decks. And I'm not really interested in that. I kind of want to just be like, you know, Serum Visions, Lower to the Ground, Snapcaster Mages, etc. Yeah, your, your draw four is back. You know, like that is how you're getting ahead, right? Yeah. Peer Through Depths is interesting like because it finds expertise and the fuse card makes me think that the Gorios decks are just horribly misbuilt and should have this card in them because they already have serum visions yeah that's probably true if you ever want to get around to tuning that deck and trick me into helping you then we can i'll probably put some peer through depths in and you can splice Gorios vengeance on it which is just filthy oh come on that's never gonna happen what are you talking about i don't know i think that's for I sure pl- gonna happen i played an open with the Gorios deck i might have spliced a vengeance once but not only is it just super not relevant, you're probably, you know, losing those games anyway because you have so much mana and you're just doing it out of desperation. Like, you don't really need two things. Like, do you ever need to, like, peer splice Gorios and then need the other Gorios to win the game? I mean, it's potentially good against, like, other blue decks or whatever. It's just, like, whenever the games slow down and go longer. Obviously, it's not, like, your A or B plan, but, you know, it just gives you another grindy element. Yeah, I just felt like those matchups are, are pretty bad already. Yeah, that's probably true. So when I'm splicing, it's just like, okay, like, do you want to snare, leak, flashback, snare with your <laughs> Snapcaster? You know, like, what are you doing? It's certainly an admission that the game is not going according to plan. Yes. But when it's like, you know, just these two cards in your deck, it is, it is a, an angle. It is, yeah, it's definitely a thing that you should not forget about, but it is also not a thing that you should purposefully try to play towards. Yeah, agreed. So basically, I, I built the deck under the assumption that Fatal Push is a much better removal spell than Path to Exile, just because you know it's better to fire off early, and I thought the black expertise was a little bit better than the white one, just because it's kind of a nice free roll against like Affinity, Noble Hierarch decks. Trading with anything is good, as long as you are casting a free spell off Yehenny's expertise. Yeah. So even though it's not an efficient exchange, four mana for two mana usually, you're still you know working towards your game plan and killing something, so that's good. Like, it's a sideboard card in your main deck, too, which is kind of nice. Yeah. And it's also a combo piece. And if you're already trying to play four pushes as your early removal spell, that makes you lean on black mana, and then the expertise becomes, like, relatively easy to cast, I would say. Yeah, for the most part. I was leaning on, like, Sunken Runes a little bit. And my mana base was probably, like, one land off. Second Swamp was kind of bad, even though that, you know, helps with Yehani's expertise. I don't know. I had some weird matches. I won multiple games that I put myself in basically zero percent to win <laughs> okay literally outrageous things happening where my opponent has like two reality smashers and another card in their hand and like nine power on board and i have nothing and i just like finally hit back off like snap slash or snapcaster peer through depths uh hit back block all his things except for his drowner of hope like killed that with blessing alliance post combat or you know end of, end of combat 
bot sees you and draw step and like Esper charm you, just nonsense. <laughs> okay. Um, so the deck's really cool. There's a lot of things going on that are really interesting because Brain and Jar just like makes all these crazy interactions come up. Uh, lost some weird close games because like I just like flooded out and died, which kind of sucks. But I think my deck was kind of fundamentally misbuilt. So I, I did post an update in my Star City Oracle today. And I'm looking at this. You added a land. I, I know, I know. I, I mentioned it. I mentioned it. It's like, I added another Snapcaster, added another Cryptic Command, so you're kind of like playing a late game a little bit better. Unfortunately, as we'll get into it, your Death Shatter deck that you just copied the Grand Prix with, congratulations, is super busted. Dude! It was so good. We'll get into that, though. I'm excited. Yeah. So, Yehenny's Expertise is a big joke against that deck. Yes. It literally is four mana, discard, discard. Uh, so I, I lean back towards Ram's expertise in my update. So. Which is yeah. not a perfect solution, but is serviceable. Certainly better than minus three, minus three. Yes. It, it buys a little bit of time. Technically weak against like Liliana the Last Hope or Battle Rage or, or Clan Rampager, but it, it is still something that impacts the battlefield in a positive way. Right on. How was Logic Knot? Dude, Logic Knot was great. I think you made fun of me because I thought this card was really bad about a year ago. And to be fair, I guess I never really played with it. I believe you, but I don't remember that. Yeah. I also probably had either Tassiger or Murderous Cut in my blue modern decks at that point, so that probably yep. made me less likely to play with the card. When I was building the Heary for the Mox, I had at least one Logic Knot. I may have had two at some point, because this was one of the few blue decks where you weren't really using your graveyard all that much. Like, there were four Snapcasters, but then there would occasionally be the time where you, like, have Nahiri and you need to ship the Emrakul back into your deck, and then just Logic Knot is turned off. So it was like, ah, you know, I really want to play with this card because I know it's good, but yeah, like, the other Delve spells just overshadow it to some degree. Yeah, the list I played, zero graveyard interaction except for Snapcaster Mage, and Logic Knot was a dream. The card was great. Love it. I think the only thing else I really want to touch on, other than I do think this deck is cool, but unfortunately it's probably not in the right place because Death Shadow is kind of oppressive, is that Ancestral Vision was really, really bad, and I already learned this lesson. I don't know why I couldn't get through my thick skull, but that card sucks. Card does not suck. Issue with the card I found in Modern is when you're drawing, like, Jack of Clubs, Charizard, Ace of Spades <laughs> off it, yeah. then yeah, it doesn't do anything, you know? You... <laughs> draw a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. The hell am I supposed to do with these? You know, like you're drawing brain in a jar and like random bird making things and just like, come on, man. Yeah, you, you need a you need your cards all to be working towards one game plan and catch you up. Yep, yeah, you can't play it in weirdo combo decks. I thought it might be fine in your deck because of the expertise stuff. Obviously, that was my logic, but it just didn't work out. Eh, beats. Yeah. Does it, does it work with brain? No. Oh, it, it works with brain if you had a way to sack the brain. Oh, I see. Okay, so if you're if you're activating it from zero to one and you destroyed it. Yeah, you destroy it or sacrifice it to Gargadon or something. Uses last known information, which is zero, and then you play a zero off it. So you can like restore balance off this thing if you have Gargadon. Okay, that's kind of cool. I wasn't aware of that interaction, but it makes sense. Also, in in your article that went up today, Tuesday you have this Restore Balance Expertise deck that could have potentially some brains in it because you do have Gargadon. Yeah. You would have to change the deck fundamentally, obviously, but that is a cool yeah, interaction. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, Blessed Alliance was super good. I believe that. Just, like, didn't really give that card much credit outside of being, like, a split card removal spell slash good against burn. Being able to kill Reality Smasher is super nice. 
Yeah, do you think playing with Yahani's expertise with Blessed Alliance made that card better? Like, do you think that now, since you're moving away from Black Expertise, that Blessed Alliance is still going to be as good for you? I'm sure it gets, like, a little bit worse, of course, but not substantially, no. It's just so nice that you get to, like, clean up the garbage and then Alliance, whatever big stuff, like the Reality Smasher, you know? For sure, but I still think the card is just great, just because it's kind of a... A nice split card. I found Timely Reinforcements to be pretty weak in the format as it stands right now. Mistake. Uh, is that because of your irrational love for it? or? Yes, absolutely. It, like Especially since Death Shadow is the best deck, Like you're never going to gain six life off it, so it's just going to yep. be really bad. Yep. I, uh, <laughs> I boarded it in against Death Shadow once on Moto just because that's how the numbers played out, and I was not impressed. I could totally see that. Yeah, had a really good time playing my deck. I think there's a lot of potential here. It's just probably not the right time. How long were you guys in the tournament? Like, how many rounds did you play? Uh, we played up until round nine. Okay. And what was the result? Were you, like, five and four or something? No. Actually, uh, this is the only SG event that I can really think of in recent memory after the, you know, two-day split that X2-1 was not even necessarily alive. So, six and three? Yep. How was uh, it? How, like, how was the tournament? Dude, I loved it. I had, I had so much fun. Team tournaments are great. It's kind of cool, actually, having to switch mindsets from, like, so many different formats to, like, help your teammates or whatever. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. It's like, you're over here playing your modern game, and it's like, all right, should, you know, this dude brainstorm? And it seems, like, really tough. Yeah, it present, presents some unique challenges, for sure. I'm actually really a big fan of the, like, deck-building restrictions in Team Constructed, and those don't exist in this, you know, triple format. You like um, Unified? Yeah. So I think it's interesting. I just don't like it for, like, coverage sake because it makes the tournament seem fake. Oh, that's certainly true. I mean, you're right. But I, I like the, the challenges that it presents. Sure. Well, we're we're looking at San Antonio, and it's like, Cho sent me and Raptor a text at some point, maybe when we were going to the top eight, and he's just like, all right, whoever finishes higher gets to play the Death Shadow deck in San Antonio. And it's like, well, maybe. You kind of just, like, take all these good cards from everyone. Right. So it is kind of sweet in that we're playing just garbage, like Tarfire, you know, like Lightning Bolt is still alive. Uh, yeah, that's true. But you're also, like, taking a bunch of fetch lands that are relevant. Taking a bunch of fetch lands, taking, like, all the good black cards. So yep. you get a, a Lightning Bolt deck that is not necessarily Grixis or Jund. So Yeah, they don't yeah. necessarily get K-Command or Push or Decay even. I think a lot of people still aren't aware of this rule. If you register 1x of a card in any deck, you can't not play any other copies in any other no you didn't know that that's a dumb rule you didn't know that no oh well there you go that's so dumb yep you can't split up your stony silences it makes it easier for us i guess like your opponent plays a cake command you know that the other person can't have it or stony silence yeah you know like there are going to be certain things where it's like no my opponent played this card so you're good you know i mean i love it i think it's awesome i hate it it would be too easy. No, what if you built, like, two Jund decks? You just, like, split them up. <laughs> that would be funny. I don't they, know. They have enough cards, you know? <laughs> yeah, they do. It's like, uh, what's, like, you know, third string Huntmaster of the Fells? Okay. Yeah, you get, like, Grim Flayer, some Tassigers, like, whatever. Who cares? Nah, I, I think they kind of, <laughs> they want to avoid situations like that. Why, though? Because it promotes diversity. Yeah, it does. I mean, look at most modern decks. Like, other than, like, you know, Inquisition, Lightning Bolt, and Super Staples like that, most deck lists are twos and threes. Well, most of the ones that you and I build are, yeah. Yeah. 
we we have like four bolt four serum visions and then every other card is up for grabs right Eh, pretty much actually don't find there'd be much like aesthetic beauty in all fours in a deck list it just means you're probably being lazy yep it's annoying when i see i look at your esper update right it's just like the numbers all make sense to me it's like okay so you you went up a land but you're you're also playing an extra cryptic and extra snapcatcher which makes sense you have things like two Esper Charm, two Logic Knot, two Peer Through Depths. It's like you just don't want to flood on those. That's cool. Three Path to Exile because you don't necessarily want to draw it early, but you want a bunch of extra one-mana interaction. You know, just like I like looking at the deck list and trying to figure out what was going on in the person's head. Yeah, that's legit. But yeah, all fours are gross. Do not ever send me a deck list that is like a sideboard with four, 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 three. That ain't right. Yeah, I did appreciate looking at uh, P. Sully's burn deck list from this weekend. <laughs> yeah, but it's because you know he doesn't really care, and it's kind of endearing. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I thought it was legitimately hilarious that his, his, his deck list was all fours and 20 mountain. Yeah. It's just like, this, this is what I'm about. This is what we're going to do. And he, he probably knows it's wrong, too. He's probably just like, oh, I should, you know, cut one of this and play, like, all Lava Mancer and play all these fetch lands. But he's like, no, it just makes the deck list hideous. So. Yeah, just like, screw it. I don't want to have to write out extra cards. Yep. Save some time. But yeah, uh, that was basically my weekend. Don't think Todd had a lot of fun playing Green Black Mirrors all day. And Yeah, what, what happened with that? Was just everyone on Black Green, or what was the deal? I believe Todd played against two non-Black uh, Green decks. In nine rounds? Uh, in eight. We only played eight. Did you have a buy or no 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 we we ended up five three we lost playing uh, before the last round oh was it eight rounds day one or was no it was nine okay so you just lost and dropped got it yeah we lost round eight but I think he played against four color Sahili and maybe it was two four color Sahili and the rest green black what was your modern experience like did you play against a bunch of different decks or what I played against uh, all unique decks. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's so weird. Yeah, I kind of had like a nice range of the format. Most of the games were pretty fun to play. So Yeah, I, th- I think part of that is indicative of your deck and your deck just being sweet. Yeah, that helped. I mean, I definitely didn't like, even though maybe I'm slightly higher percentage playing like red-green Valakit in the tournament, like I'm just not going to enjoy myself. So. Yep. Well, this Death Shadow deck is kind of like Valakut in that you just do stuff and then you F6 on your opponent's turn. Most sure. of the time, at least. But it is a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Obviously, I won a bunch. So that helps. But I did book my last-minute, semi-last-minute plane flight to Indy for $521, I think. So not cheap. I'm, I'm willing to go, though. I want to battle. No, it's good. it's good that you kept your word. I appreciate that. Yeah. Dude, yeah, I'm not you, a liar. You made some money last weekend. No problem. I did. I did. You can call me a lot of things, but liar is not one of them. You know, I would never call you a liar. Well, then you would be lying if you called me a liar, so... Oh, true. But we also don't want the people to call you a liar. Well, I don't know. I guess if they do, then I know that they're wrong, and then, you know, I kind of have an informed opinion of them. So there's that. Mm. Oh, that is nice. I guess you get to know something. Yeah, man, I don't lie. I... It's not even just like, oh, I made this obligation or I made this thing so I'm obligated to go or whatever. It was like, no, like that is, I know myself well enough that that is probably the experience that I'm going to have. Like if I have a good weekend in Vancouver, if I enjoy myself, if I have a deck that I want to play, I will likely just book a flight to Indy because that's just how I operate. And I had a lot of fun and I was like, oh, guess, I guess I want to play modern again this weekend. So Dude, and you get it. to hang out with me and Todd and Tom. Oh, hell yeah. Dude, it's, it's going to be so good. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And Cedric and Patrick. Oh, wow. That's cool. Maybe Cedric will pay me the money he owes me. 
Oh, what does he owe you money for? Uh, I think he has my check from the Players' Championship. Okay. He, he was just like, oh, I'm just going to, like, you know, move back to Seattle a little bit after Jerry did. So instead of mailing it, I'll just take it with me and I'll see him soon, which is a logical thing to do for sure. But instead, we never see each other. We saw each other at the Grand Prix and obviously he didn't have the check on him. He's just like, oh, it's in my suitcase, but, you know, didn't bring it. So now whenever I see him, I get to do the Cho thing, which is just like, hey, man, pay me. Like, what is wrong with you? And the thing is, I bet you enjoy having that power over Cedric rather than the money. I kind of do, but the problem is that Cho gives him so much crap for it that I feel like I can't even really do it, you know, because it's just too much. So Cho is cutting into some of my equity. Dude, that's kind of messed up. It is. But because we're best friends, I'm allowing him to get like max equity out of, you know, whatever 50 cents that Cedric owes him or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a give and take, you see. But yeah, that'll be great. Maybe maybe I'll get my $1,000 check or whatever I got from the Players' Championship. Yeah, so uh, convince me to register this Death Shatter deck. I, oh I, my god. We, we it, talked a little bit off, off I guess, stream, I guess. I don't even know what the correct term for it is. Off recording? Off, off cast? <laughs> off internet? No, we were still on the internet. Anyway, so it's weird, because this deck basically looks and operates like a legacy deck. That is fair. But... It doesn't have, like, you know, Brainstorm or whatever. It has Hand Disruption and, you know, a little bit of, like, Tricky Manipulation with Mitra's Bobble and whatnot, Street Rake. But I don't know if I am I would be innately good at managing my life total with Death Shadow. I have played a little bit of Death Shadow before, so I kind of have some practice, you know. My experience was basically, like, I look at this deck, I think it looks kind of cool, but... It is very, very difficult to gauge how good it actually is, and certainly a large aspect of this deck doing so well is because we were playing against mostly good matchups, you know? Right. Another thing that kind of ties into that is that there are just mostly good matchups in Modern. There are not a lot of decks, like, you would have to choose to play a deck specifically just because it has a good matchup against this deck. I vastly underestimated how good the deck actually was because it doesn't look that good on paper. It looks like, you know, a different Jun deck, maybe a better Jun deck, but maybe you run into issues in like grindy games or against burn or matchups where like your discard isn't great or whatever. And just none of those things are true. Is the key factor just that Traverse the Wild is kind of busted? Traverse was kind of crappy, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. There were a, a, a decent amount of games where I had it in my hand and did not have Delirium. So okay. whenever someone's like, oh, like we can cut a bobble or we can cut some tar fires or whatever, I'm just like, no, absolutely not. Like if I play this deck and I play red, I'm playing four tar fire. Okay, that's really interesting to me. I would have naturally assumed that Traverse is like the reason that this deck exists and why it's better than Jump. So instant sorcery or sorcery land is a lock. Instant is tough if they don't play a creature. Leading up to round seven, I think, I had Tarfired myself three times and my opponent once. Had you killed any creatures with Tarfire? No. Okay, so you'd cast like, a card four times and three of them were at yourself. Yes. That's kind and of insane. <laughs> then in the last few rounds, I played against Burn twice. So, like, obviously that changed because they're always trying to present a threat on turn one, turn two. 
So whenever I had a tar fire, it was just like, you know, protecting my life total and stuff. But yeah, it was it was kind of weird when, you know, your opponent doesn't necessarily do anything. You can play a small-ish Tarmogoyf. Maybe you can play a small Death Shadow. Like, maybe those things get killed on turn four or whatever. But like, if they're not presenting things for you to kill with your pushes and tar fires, like, you don't have an instant. And then if you don't draw, like, Street Wraith Bobble, like, some good mix of things that gets you to Delirium, it's just not going to be there. So... Tarfire being, like, the missing link, like, the double missing link to go with your sorcery and land to get you to Delirium is perfect. Okay. So would you maybe make an argument that Street Wraith is the best card in your opening hand? Because that kind of powers yes. up Death Shadow and makes yes. Reverse doable. Yeah, d getting Death Shadow to castable range was not trivial. It was a lot, you know, a lot of it's just, like, Fetch Shock, Fetch Shock, Fetch Shock, but sometimes you don't have the third land... Sometimes they're not attacking you, stuff like that. So I would say most of my games, like the very early turns, it was not like turn two I was jamming two Death Shadows, you know? But those are definitely your best draws. Yeah, it's uh, a lot harder now without Cataxian Probe or even like Eutogenic Growth or whatever. Yeah, I kind of want to see if I can play a Dismember because I think it's a relevant removal spell that kills things in the mirror or at least like, you know, shrinks them in combat so you can take them out. Architects of Will is something that I'm looking at to kind of fill the Tarfire gap too. So I definitely don't want to play a blue duel. I'll just play it as a raw cycler, and I think that's okay. But yeah, I'm, I'm interested in looking at other things that might deal me damage to make enabling Death Shadow a little bit better, but obviously there's diminishing returns there because you don't want to like put yourself at one. You want to put yourself at you know six to eight life, somewhere in there. Word. I will say, though, that once Traverse is on, it is excellent. Between me, Sam, and Raptor... And I'm sure, like, Severa and Webb did a bunch of this weird stuff, too. Like, we used every part of the Buffalo. We just did everything possible with Traverse and Rampager. Like, we Traverse for Street Race. We Traverse for Basic Lands, even though we had Delirium because we didn't want to take damage. We Traverse for Fetch Lands just to deal ourselves damage. Uh, traverse for Street Wraith was, like, the turn that you're going in for lethal or to make your Battle Rager Rampager lethal. Traverse for Rampager was just such a clean way to actually close a game. Raptor played against Burn, and they had two Eidolons when he was at four, and he drew the Rampager to kill him through the two Eidolons when he was basically locked out. Okay, that's pretty filthy. <laughs> yeah. The fact that all these weirdo corner case situations came up for all of us means that there are probably other cool things we can do with our deck that are relevant and would open us up to different avenues that we wouldn't have otherwise. So now this is like the next couple of days are time for me to do research. Yeah, I mean, you, you have this four color deck that, you know, you could even change colors if you wanted to. White's not really that important. It's just on the sideboard. You have access to a tutor package and you're interested in like really strange things like hurting yourself. So there's a lot of cards. Definitely agree. And I'm sure that there's like some really cool stuff that we missed. One of the cards that Dan Ward brought up was Postmortem Lunge, which is a card I've had my eye on for a while. I like that card a lot. I don't know what that does. Oh, man. So it's X, Phyrexian B, and okay. I believe it's a sorcery. It, it basically shallow graves a thing. Okay, so you could theoretically pay two life and B and hit them with Death Shadow? Uh, no, so the, the Phyrexian B is the, the one, the a single mana symbol. Oh, so, oh, yeah. oh, oh, okay. So you have to pay two mana for death. And two two mana and two life. Is that correct? One, one mana. It is X. It, it's XB where B is Phyrexian. Right. So you can pay one mana and two life. Yeah, to get a Death Shadow back with haste. Uh, Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, the, yeah, there are cards like that where it's like, I don't think Lunge is great. You know, it's, it's mostly going to be good against decks that have a bunch of removal and don't have blockers or 
maybe if you have a way to set up a more consistent trample on the card than like Ranker or something. I don't think Ranker's good, but could be a way. So there's things like that where it's like, oh yeah, all these weirdo Phyrexian cards, right? Maybe we're supposed to be looking at Gutshot or whatever. I have no idea. Gutshot strikes me as a little weak, but it is cool that you could theoretically set that card up with like, you know, Thoughtseize yourself or Brutality or whatever. Yeah. Uh, how was the Battle Rages? That's something that we talked about last week, and I assume that I tricked you into cutting one. No, absolutely not. I sided them out, or I, I ended up playing one in one Rampager. I sided out the one Battle Rage in a lot of spots, but there were a lot of matchups too where I was more than happy to have the Battle Rage. Uh, so I think one is actually the correct number. I think you nailed it, where you are fine drawing exactly one copy, but anything past that is pretty bad. And you only want to draw it in such small amounts that I think you only want the one copy. And there aren't enough decks, you know, if like black-white tokens was a deck or whatever, I'd probably play more. But there aren't a lot of decks that actually just flood the board and you have a little trouble going over. I played against Bantel Drazi, and that was kind of one of the matchups where I might want another Battle Rage. But it's also kind of bad in the post-board games when they get access to more removal and stuff. And I still had Traverse for Rampager, so I think that was good enough. I could definitely see, like, Drowner Hope being pretty hard to beat, actually. I hadn't thought about that. So he played Drowner, and I went to combat. It's basically better for him to just let me go to combat, because, like, I was super low, you know? So if I attack with anything, he could, in theory, just, like, block some stuff, tap my my blockers, and kill me, right? So I don't think he's necessarily supposed to tap any of my potential attackers, and then I just got to kill him with uh, Trampler, like Rampager. Yeah, well, right, I was about to say it. Then, then he just opens himself up to dying to a you know combo kill. True. Maybe I can't attack that turn because he could just kill me on the swing back. Yeah, it's tough to say. So if he does sack things to tap and I just say go, then he's like down the tap for the next turn. So it was it was kind of a weird spot. I don't think it was necessarily like right or wrong to do either one, but I also had a Goyf and a Ranger of Eos. So if he taps my two shadows, I think he had a 5-5 five, five and a 4-4 four, four Thought Knot. I don't remember the life totals really. Maybe he was at 12 or something. But either way, I was gonna, you know, I was gonna be able to attack him for a bunch. He had to block something, otherwise he dies to a rampager, and then I think I just get to rampage over it, and he's probably still dead, even if he does tap. It's basically just like rampager solves almost all of the problems related to combat. Okay, that's legit. Well, I'm I'm glad you ended up playing it though. Yeah, me too. Uh, Renegade Rallyer, like people said that they liked it, but it looked really bad to me. Sure, I know Matt Nass played it, and I believe Sam Black played it also. It, it is really good against Liliana of the Veil, if you want that. Oh, okay, well, that, that was that's a nice segue. That's actually the last thing I really wanted to touch on because so, some minor differences in all the deck lists, like you know, number of tar fires, number of brutality, battle rage, even like K command or uh, fatal push. I think is actually there's a lot of differentiation. Raptor and I had similar lists. Like we all talked to Sam in the beginning, and then you know on Friday night we just ended up not really getting in contact with them. So uh, Raptor and I decided to main deck push. Uh, Sam did not. He had a few more grindy elements in his deck. He had Liliana of the Last Hope, Third Kolagon's Command. Think that either Liliana is fine. Like, they are both good. There are respective matchups where one or the other could shine. And if you're expecting more grindy matchups, you should play Last Hope, I think. If you're expecting more Lingering Souls, you should play Last Hope. If you're expecting just, like, a general smattering of decks, I think Liliana of the Veil is better. Like, it's better against Eldrazi. It's more likely that you get to kill big stuff with it than uh, Last Hope, and when your deck is a bunch of, like, Tar Fires, K-Commands, and Collective Brutalities, and you can't touch a 3-Toughness creature, having, like, an Edict effect in your deck is much better than having a plus 2 minus 1, or a minus 2 minus 1. Yeah. So, I like I liked my Veils. 
Uh, my Veils did some kind of cool things where it was like, come down, Edict you, I get to hit you. And then you play a creature, we kind of turtle up for a turn, but next turn I'm going to Edict you again, and now I have another good attack. This isn't the best comparison, but uh, I played the Legacy GP with Sultai Delver, and it also had two Liliana the Veil. And like this deck reminds me so much of a Legacy deck where you just have like these hyper-efficient one-for-ones and just like the most pound-for-pound powerful creatures that are one and two mana. Just like Liliana the Veil is so good for putting your opponent in the squeeze, just like taking away their last couple of resources and then making sure like your big things connect. So I was streaming Jun one day. Someone was like, you know, why aren't you playing three Liliana the Veil like everyone else? And it was like, well, the games where you have Liliana feel much different than the games without. I feel like the games where you have Liliana, it's like you can't necessarily exchange your extra resource. Like say you draw an extra land or like an extra discard spell, you can't make that resource trade for something of your opponents. So Liliana just like makes that exchange and it just, yeah, it, it, it kind of just like constricts what they are able to do and eventually becomes this really big threat. And in the meantime, like the worst case scenario is just like an edict, which is completely serviceable. And Daryl Ayers was watching and he made the comment of like Liliana, the veil is basically Jun's brainstorm. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> it lets you shuffle away all your crappy cards. Yeah, it lets you exchange your crappy resources for, you know, in Legacy's case, it's like you get to trade them in for new cards in your deck. But in Modern's case, when you're Jund, it's just like you trade them for your opponent's stuff. But, like, that's kind of part of your game plan anyway. So if the games do get kind of grindy in that regard, or, you know, you drew a bunch of tar fires in a matchup where they're not good or whatever, it's just like, well, Liliana is going to catch you back up. Uh, Liliana the Veil. And then Last Hope is like, well, if you're in that sort of situation, the hope is that you get to bring back some creatures and then your extra resources don't really matter that much. But I don't know. Like, Veil just felt cleaner to me. It felt like there were going to be more games where I would have a Last Hope and not be able to have it translate into anything useful. Yeah, it's just like, well, for for Last Hope to be significantly better, you kind of both have to be at parity. But Liliana the Veil just can put you ahead instantly. Yeah, and I don't know. I saw Sam and Severa both win with Last Hope Ultimate, so whatever. (laughs) <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's plenty of situations where <laughs> Veil's ultimate's going to be good, too. Yep. Uh, never came up for me. It was always, if it lives, it goes Edict, Edict, and then they die. That was what happened for me. I don't think I ever had a Veil on five. Yeah, I guess the only situations that have really happened is if you just had zero threats, which I suppose could happen, but it's pretty unlikely. Yeah, you have zero threats, they have zero threats. Right. In which case, you know, either creature's going to, or either Planeswalker, rather, is going to be good. Yeah, so I like push main deck. Brutality main is completely serviceable, but if you want to play something else, that is also fine. I don't think it is a necessity. The burn matchup is surprisingly good. The mana base was fine. The white kind of complicated stuff a little bit, but was overall completely fine. And uh, on the draw, I sided out like the forest against some of the combo decks. Like if I was siding into a deck with all like zero and one mana cards, then I felt like I could keep a lot more one landers and I wanted to draw like enough disruption to make sure that I could actually just like put the squeeze on them. So I was siding out a land at times because it, it felt sort of heavy. Maybe I'm supposed to be siding out like a traverse or two against combo because they're not playing anything for me to tar fire early anyway. So I'm probably not going to have delirium. So, like, maybe that's why I felt a land heavy. Oh, that kind of makes more sense to me than cutting a land. But, I don't know, Forest is kind of bad looking over the deck list. It doesn't accomplish a whole lot by itself. Right. That, it's basically a dead draw unless it is exactly land number two and you get to cast Harmony Fawfid. Yeah. Or exactly number three for Lily. Yeah. 
Cyborg was fine. We played Cage over Surgical. I think either one is defensible. I was a little worried about breaking entering. Sam and some of my opponents got to Surgical. Uh, they, they had some pretty good Surgicals from what I saw. Like, my Souls got surgical and he got two more out of my hand, which is all three. He got two Thought Sees Me Take My Push and then Draw Step Surgical My Push, and I had two more in my hand. You okay. know, so like Things like that happened, and... I don't know. I just feel like the deck is pretty threat light too. So if, if you're just like, oh, push your shadow, extract it, then you just have to beat Tarmogoyfs and you can certainly still lose to them, but the games are much easier. Surgical yeah. could come in in more places than Cage. I don't think my Cages were ever in my deck. Usually, like, Surgical is not good against these more, like, aggressive disruption decks, but it is actually kind of defensible, like, because you really only have two primary threats. Yep. Fulminator was fine. Grudge did not really do much, but there were a lot of people that had like chalices and stuff against me, so they were nice to have. Kataki is nonsense. Trying to traverse and play that against Affinity when they already have a board and are probably just going to be able to pay for their threats and kill you is just not a thing. That's not going to happen. Cannonist is good against Storm, and to some extent, Ad Nauseam is bad against the Cheerios deck. Mm, sure. And. Those matchups are all pretty good, so I don't think you need it. So I think we went a little overboard on playing the utility traverse targets. Like, we were smart enough to figure out that, like, traversing for a Reclamation Sage or a Scavenging user or whatever was not good. But then we're like, oh, but we get all these fancy white bullets now because we have white mana, and then we just didn't cut them. Kind of wasted slots there. Souls was okay, but kind of disappointing, especially in the mirror match. Yeah, I, I think Souls has just gotten worse. There's not really, like, any printing or major trend that I can point to being, like, this is the reason Souls is bad, but I guess maybe people have just, like, built their decks better. You don't just get grinded out by one ones anymore. Yeah, um, I mean, more people have random answers to Souls, I think. Like, people are learning to make, like, spreads of explosives and pulse and is it Staticaster and stuff like that. But also, I think the format is just a lot of big mana decks, or at least was at this Grand Prix, and we just beat them all up. So, yeah, Souls is just kind of bad. Good, good news for Grixis Mages of the World, but... Yeah. You want to talk about, like, overarching theory as to, like, why this deck is great? The whole, like, sell you on this? Sure, we can get into that, but for, for me, it, it kind of just comes down to the fact that you are less modern and more of a legacy deck now. Yeah. Deck is a Jun deck. It is very much disrupt you, kill your stuff, then kill you. Except the kill you part kind of happens around turn four, which is sort of unfair. Also, you only have 18 land. You have some manipulation in Mishra's Bobble, which is definitely not irrelevant. Like, it is a thing where you get to... You basically get a free scry, is, is how I look at it, with, like, sure. Bobble Fetch Land. So, that is sick. And there were so many games I played where I just had three dead cards in my hand, and it didn't matter. Because I had, like, a six-toughness creature that no one could kill. Yeah, so this deck definitely, like, constricts the good removal that you can play against it like lightning bolt isn't particularly effective as a removal spell maybe it is just like as a burnout plan um, yeah it makes it makes you have to play cautious but if they have bolts in their deck it just means like your 4-4 street wraith is or not street wraith death shadow is also just going to kill them right i think this deck just like basically makes racing impossible because a it just grows death shadow if you're hitting them but like also you're just putting the the abyss so fast by death shadow and tarmogoy from this deck it's just stupid yeah and if you don't play cautiously you know, you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to attack them. I'm going to set up so that I can attack and kill them in one turn. And then I could just untap and, like, fetch land, thought seize, like, traverse for street wraith, attack you, and then you are in the abyss, you know? Right. So you it, just effectively accomplish nothing. 
Right. It's just, it. you turn the corner so quickly. And it's like, sometimes they attack you and you're like, oh God, thank you. And sometimes they attack you and you're like, oh cool, now I don't have to thought seize myself or whatever, like, because you have no hand. Or tar fire myself, whatever. Right. Your, so, your, yeah. your new favorite play. Oh man. It, it is, it was one of the most common plays. It was really sad. It, <laughs> it, at first, like in those first like six rounds, I was just like, God, this deck is just nonsense. I'm doing all this stuff that doesn't make any sense. All this stuff that is just you know, counterintuitive to how magic is supposed to be played, right? And I'm just like, man, these Tarfires suck. They don't kill anything. And then by, you know, round 10 or something, I'm just like, Tarfire's the greatest ever. Like, it, it allowed <laughs> me to have, like, three Death Shadows in play on turn three because of Traverse, all this stuff. So, deck is just incredibly well-built. Okay. And, it, dude, it's just so good. It's like, you you are you are kind of like a legacy deck, but, and I don't know how much things are going to change for this weekend. Maybe, like, you know, 40% of the field is Abzan and I just get crushed or whatever. But no one can kill your stuff. You have infinite amounts of disruption. And unlike Jund, this deck doesn't really flood on it because you're, you're just, like, making them discard stuff, killing their creatures, and then deploying threats most of the time. And then you just get to pick off, like, whatever removal spell they drew on turn four and then play your threat. Like, your discard is basically never dead. Or just eventually, like, sure, you might flood on an Inquisition or a Thoughtseize, but they've drawn two lands in a row and they die. Yeah, or two cards that don't interact with your deck or whatever. Uh, I, that, that's the most interesting part to me, is, like, how do you think that the metagame evolves? Because it's glaringly obvious to me that people should completely respect this deck after last weekend, but who knows if that's actually the case. Well, Modern is tough. It's an expensive format. I can't think of many people... I know who play just like at a local or store level and they have two decks or three decks or whatever, you know, they can't just afford to switch decks. So most people are just going to like change sideboard slots a little bit, but like, what are they going to sideboard? Deck already has K commands. Some have decay, ancient grudge on the sideboard. Like you can't like ensnaring bridge this deck. That's not going to work. You know, enchantment might work. You could try and worship it. But then like, if I keep in collective brutality, I can just drain you. It's so stupid. You know, like you just have all these incidental answers to all of these weirdo permanents too. Sure. I mean, do you think that just like, you know, people are finally just going to start playing four main deck fatal push in every single black deck or? I would kind of hope so. I mean, there are definitely matchups where it's dead. And I think Eldrazi Tron did pretty well over the weekend as a whole. And yeah, I think Todd is... went 17 and one. Jesus. Yeah. That's absurd. Yeah. Just like he 9-0'd day one, even though his team did day two. And then he exo <laughs> would the Swiss in the Classic and lost in top four. Wow. His, his, his deck <laughs> seemed pretty great. That's unreal. I mean, was he doing anything different than anyone else? Like Four main deck, Ballista, three Inbringer, two Basilisk Caller than me. Okay, so he has one extra Caller on most people, I think. I, I don't know if people went that hard on the Ballista. Like, I've seen lots of lists like two or three and Ballista, or excuse me, and Basilisk Caller in the sideboard. Uh, his mana looks the same. He has some Karns. Yeah, I think he played an extra Karn. Four Chalice in the board, four Surgical. Yeah, I mean, his deck is just clean. He's just, like, the best version of his deck. Yep. A uh, bunch of Alls Dusts, which kind of just clean up all the random nonsense. I played against this deck round four off my buys, and it was kind of scary. I won, you know, but it was still kind of scary because their cards are also powerful. I don't know if a bunch of Mind Stones are standard or not, but that card's awesome. It's pretty standard, yeah. Yeah, his deck looked really good, and I think he kind of just felt a little uncomfortable against, like, you know, Super All in Combo, which is why, you know, the four Chalices, four Surgicals are in the deck. Yeah. Well, I'm going to Indy. I'm playing this deck. I don't know. I, I thought about cutting Tarfire for Thought Scour, but then I'm a little worried about not having enough interaction. 
So I'm not sure if I'm going to go down that route or not. If I do play Jund, I will probably cut the white and try and find some replacement for Ranger of Eos and just have more sideboard cards that I can bring in in more spots. Just give me a little bit more customization because I really didn't have that at the Grand Prix. I felt like most matchups I was siding in like five or less cards and it was often like way less. It was like three to zero, but... I mean, do you think that you even have like the flexibility to change macro plans with the deck or are you just kind of like making small adjustments it, it is basically like there are matchups where some combination of like push tar fire brutality are not going to be good there are matchups where liliana is not going to be good there are matchups where rampager team or battle rage might not be necessary uh i was basically never cutting shadow wraith goif bobble inquisition or thoughtseize so like all those cards are pretty standard and then everything else could get sided out depending on what i was playing against so i don't know yeah. just want a little more flexibility I mean, that, that basically sounds like, a again, a legacy deck. It's like, I can't board out my manipulation, and I can't board out my best threats, and that's about it. And then everything else is that. Who cares? You know, like, there, there there's probably a card that I could play in my sideboard that is going to be a better answer than Kolagon's Command against a two-toughness creature, you know? I don't know, maybe fourth Fatal Push, maybe a Sweeper, maybe like a Kozilek's Return. There were some dicey situations involving Etch Champion that my teammates were mostly able to navigate around, but could have been a little bit easier. I guess that's another nod to Liliana the Veil. Yeah, I suppose. It's, it is tough to clean up all their stuff, but like, if I clean up all their stuff, maybe I can just Tarfire their champion, you know, like, who knows. But yeah, I got I got some uh, some slots to play with. You have any idea for a good ranger substitute? Uh, I mean, just, like, generic big thing? So, Thrun, Witness, Courser, Tracker... Anything that, like, gives me a two-for-one or is hard to kill. I mean, if you're looking for a grindy breaker that is cheaper, then I would just say Renegade earlier. Yeah, but that's white. I want to cut the white. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I misunderstood you. I don't know. Tracker seems pretty bad for obvious reasons. Witness seems too low impact for me. And also yep. kind of doesn't give you a big enough initial advantage. I don't know if to think about it. Ranger of Eos was basically the nut. It was awesome. Yeah, I believe that. It's pretty much just going to be nail in the coffin if, you know, you ever get to untap. So, looking for something along those lines, Thrun seems pretty much like hot garbage, and Thrun then all the other stuff is pretty low impact, so... Thrun is just something that you can navigate around, I think. Like, you can just play Tasker or whatever. Right. I don't know, I'll get back to you. Alright, yeah, find me some sweet Traverse targets. Uh, one thing that I might play with is a Fairy Macabre. Okay, elaborate a bit. I, I don't want a Bajookabog, I don't want a Scavenging Ooze but I might want Graveyard Hate that I can tutor for, and I think that might be the best one, and it's free, so. Uh, it would surprise me if Living End was actually a good choice moving forward, kind of just because of this deck, so, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I don't know. I mean, do you I feel comfortable know. saying this is the best deck in Modern? Yes. Yeah, it's dude, it's not close. It is not close. Not, none of my matchups were bad. I lost five games before top four, maybe four games. I played ten rounds. It's just unreal. Did you concede Andra? Yes. Jeez, okay. So I conceded to Raptor round 13 because he gets into the Hall of Fame two Pro Tours from now, but in the meantime, he needs an invite to Nashville. Sure. So I was 12-0, he was 11-1. Easy concession. Next round, I draw with Severson because I thought I needed a win too, so it's like the, the scoop to Raptor is like sort of bittersweet in like the minorest way where it's like, Man, I'm super happy for my friend, but at the same time, I really hope I'm not just, like, blowing this tournament. Then I found out, did the math with Severson, and it was like, okay, we can just, like, draw, draw, basically. Uh, in the last round, 
I get paired against like this super nice dude, and he's just like, hey, you know, can can we draw? And I was like, well, I looked at the standings. Uh, dude was X one one. Sam is X two one in playing. And if I beat him, him and Sam are in a tiebreaker war for eighth. Okay. He's just like, you know, my first pro tour would really mean a lot to me. And I'm like, God, I, I get that. I understand that so much. Like, my first pro tour was a long time ago, but I still remember that feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I feel so bad. I mean, thankfully, like, things ended up working out. Like, if I beat him and Sam lost, I would just feel even worse. Because then Sam's opponent would have gotten in over him, I believe. Yeah, I mean, it, it worked out for the team, right you know sam got in but yeah i still feel really bad about that i don't know yeah i mean that's just a part of tournament magic unfortunately yep we can't we can't all get what we want yeah i mean odds are good if dude could get that far it can happen again dude that is exactly what i told him i was like if you're good enough to be 12 one and one at a grand prix it's just a matter of time that's something he should internalize for sure yeah hopefully are, are you sold? Are you sold? Do you have any other questions on this deck? Like, what's the deal? What do you oh, think? Oh, well, I mean, I am interested in this, you know, little Thought Scour snappy package. I know. I know, man. Stubborn Denial on some, the board. Some stubs. This, this um, was my route, my round eight opponent, by the way. He, he, like, mentioned this to me, and I we got deck checked, so I just started writing a deck list on my boogie board. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm just like, can't turn it off. Sorry. And then I just, like, ran to Sam Black. I'm like, Sam, look what I built. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I I am a little skeptical of like the tar fires. I think Thought Scour sounds like an upgrade, especially if you're just gonna be like be playing a bunch of mirrors. Like your tar yeah, fires kind of kind of do nothing, and like their tar fires just turn on your voice, whatever. Yeah, but then you only have like eight removal instead of ten. I mean, that's my concern. Is like, is tar fire really even a removal spell? You just talked about how you just punch yourself in the face three times. It it is against no, it is against the decks where you actually need the early removal. Most decks you just don't care. It's like if I draw a removal spell, sure I'll be able to use it on something. But like against things like burn and Malira and affinity, like I do think that you want as much as possible. Like you want to be able to interact with them for sure. Affinity is kind of the tricky one too, where. I feel like once you don't have Tarfire, once you don't have Ancient Grudge, it's like, well, what are you really doing in the matchup, you know? Saltai doesn't have a lot of great options. Well, I mean, you can play a Dismember, which, you know, sounds pretty good, straight up. Yes, yeah, so, so I want to play four push, two Dismember, and maybe, like, two Decay. So I have eight, eight removal spells. My deck had three push, two K Command, one Brutality, four Tarfire. I don't know, that sounds fine to so me. I, 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 I think we ten. can make it work. It's, it's eight versus ten. It's, it's Shock versus Dismember against aggressive decks. And but is it ten... Yeah, K like, Command counts. Like Absolutely. Eight and a half. No, 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 Tarfire. It's like eight and a half. I'm just making no, up I'm some talking numbers. Ab- I'm talking about the matchups where Tarfire is a card that you actually want to draw. Okay, fine. Because in the matchups where you don't really want to draw Tarfire, it doesn't matter if you draw Tarfire. What about one dead weight? Oh, that sounds horrible. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but it does let your Goyfs win the war. I guess. I mean, so does Tarfire in theory. In theory. Did you play Commandeer last weekend, by the way? Oh, I sure did. Oh, that's gas. Yep. Did you get anyone? Uh, I... Sort of. Not really. What was I, the best thing you commandeered? Uh, I only cast it once. I stole a lightning bolt on... I don't know. He was bolting me, and I was pretty low, and I bolted his Huntmaster. So it was pretty good. So, so Michael, when you commandeered that lightning bolt, what did you say? That's game. <laughs> 